welcome to episode 313 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Boys and girls, I don't mean to tell tales outside of school, but my man is looking slim, what? trim, <laughs> and ready to roll. It's Russell John Fisher. That was the most insulting intro you've ever what given. What are you me. talking about? Because it's just a fucking lie. You look nice. Is that true? You look nice. I haven't heard that from anybody else, so 100%. I instantly... No, all right. you look nice. Oksana, Valeria Novosachi, who also looks nice. Get in there, talk about your man. He doesn't believe me anyway. No. I, I'm scared <laughs> to get on the scale. When's the last time you got on the scale? I don't... I, you know, I was loving it after COVID. When yeah. I went down those eight magical pounds, <laughs> I was like... Dude, this rules. And then I went back up three, and I'm like, I'm no. not fucking with you no more. No, 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 no. You look good. All right, well, thank you. I, I know you've been listening to a lot of Rogan, so I don't know if I can trust what you're saying right now. It's also true. Uh, I've got some ivermectin to talk to you about later on the episode. Can't wait. Also joining us is the man over there in Atlanta, Georgia, and may I also say he's always looking like a snack. It's Randy Michael Stapp. Excuse me. Oh, thanks. Randy yeah, that's snack. me. <laughs> nice pun. I dig so it. Much. You do look. We can tasty. also say that uh, that my eye has healed since last time I saw you guys. I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't want to put you on the spot. We did. did we, did no, we no, we didn't. We didn't. Rec- it was right after. No, okay. it hasn't aired on the show. Yeah, a little behind the curtain scenes. We've been doing some audio work for a couple of movies that. Uh, who knows if anybody will ever see these? But uh, Randy had a little run in. Randy, it looked like he got jumped by a bunch of uh, anti-vaxxers out there in the, the ATL. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I figured with uh, the new Jackass movie coming out this week and um, in honor of the new uh, Buster Keaton book, Cameraman, that I'm reading, that I would do a pratfall of my own. <laughs> so uh, coming home from a show last weekend, I, uh, I literally just tripped on a curb and my pockets were in my, my hands were in my jacket pockets and I had no uh, anything to break my fall and I just lost balance and I uh, broke my glasses and got a little... Little black eye. See, the, your problem with that is that you should have done a Chris Pratt fall. Oh my god! Where you fall down, then you get back up, and then you recreate your life to Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now you know, Randy. When when we saw you, you looked like you had been beat up. Your eyebrow was cut. Your nose was yeah. fucked up. And uh, if if y'all were worried, his teeth are completely fine. That was my biggest concern. This is true. Yeah. It did look a lot worse than it was, and the person that I was with was very concerned when it happened, and my face was bleeding, and I wiped my face, and my hand was full of blood, but I honestly felt fine. You know, I was uh, shook a little bit from falling, but I uh, just got back up and walked the, you know, half half mile to my house and was fine. Now, you got to tell the story about the lady who came to your aid. There was a person uh, on the street that gave me some, uh, re- not reusable, some uh, some masks that they had in their pocket, just some extra masks, and I uh, <laughs> just put them on my face to wipe the blood away and keep some pressure on it. <laughs> it was so, he told us, she was like, I don't have any napkins, but I have these masks. Yeah. And they completely filled uh, with blood, right? Um, us, yeah. Randy. Now, here's the thing. He was telling this... <laughs> So we were going to record audio. We've been doing that that weekend to, uh, for movies. Uh, 
for some reason they they want us to be a part of it and uh last minute i got word that the second recording we were going to do uh they wanted video too so we reached out to randy and he got on he's like i'm down as long as it's not going on youtube or something and me and clark go oh he's gonna be fucking angry because <laughs> it's not going on youtube it's going in a movie yeah potentially and randy showed up you had what a nasal strip on you looked like you had just got out of a boxing match yeah, it was nighttime, and I don't breathe well, so I wear a Breathe Right strip every night, and I was wearing one, and then I took it off for the recording. Now, here's the thing. I thought you looked fucking cool, you look- and I'm not joking. 100%. And the minute we said for a movie, you got instantly angry, and you started fixing your hair, and it was hilarious and kind of terrifying. <laughs> and then you delivered the goods. <laughs> you came yeah, in. Right. You conquered. Yeah. Dude. In, it was an incredible story, and I am shocked. You look perfect. You look fine. Yeah, it's, it uh, healed up pretty well. I, you know, like iced my eye slash left side of my face every couple hours for the first like five days or so, and then uh, my parents luckily found some old pair of glasses that I left in Pleasanton, so they sent me those. And then, uh, so I'm wearing an older pair of glasses. So the it's you know it's fine. The prescription works well, but have new not a sponsor warby parker glasses coming soon but see yeah i can't even tell that you've got these battle scars man so where were you bleeding from your your uh, nasal cavity eyebrow yeah oh, like the eyebrow and literally oh, right above the eyebrow a little bit see you needed a cut man dude i know you needed you know cuss a mono in your corner dude it looks like you got gypped a cool scar too you should have had a battle wound from that i know it's unfortunate <laughs> I have a story, I guess. Not not a cool one, but... I don't know. It's pretty cool. Did, did you take pictures in the mirror when you were all fucked up? No. Be I honest. I think about it. You no, I didn't. It. Oh, my God. Well, at least we got video. So if that movie comes out, we'll plug it as Randy's battle video. I'm just saying, you could have used this to, your, to more of your advantage. Sure. I'm sure that's true with a lot of things in my life. <laughs> Wait, you did post something on, like, Twitter, though. Didn't he? I thought he put something. No, but what I'm saying is, in the moment, you know, because he was with a lady friend. He didn't say that. He said a person. We know the story. (laughs) Anyway, the real story today. She could have took you to her place, got you all nice and fixed up. No, I'm a uh, strong, independent man, and I took care of my own. That is single (laughs) and ready to mingle. I I just wish there was video of the lady offering him like these blue medical masks to cover up all the blood. I did walk by the scene of the crime, so to speak, um, right before Jackass Forever the other day, and I did not trip on the curb. <laughs> was, was there still a little blood stain there? It didn't look like it, no. But <laughs> I wish there was. That'd be cool. That'd be a cool uh, story. Now, <laughs> tripping on the curb, was this was this going down or going up? Going up the curb. Pick up your feet. (laughs) There is, you know, I've been watching a lot of like uh, fail army and all that kind of garbage, that mindless uh, just video barrage. And they had a compilation of a curb. I don't know where it was, but it was just security camera footage of people constantly tripping over one little curb. Well, It's stupid the way it's set. It's like a crosswalk, but three feet from the curb, there's just one of those like parking Bumper things, yeah. yeah, For no reason. People were eating it over there constantly. Falling into the road almost. Yeah, into the road, which was much worse than Randy into the curb. (laughs) Anyway, in more exciting news, I got a package a couple days ago 
of one of the most beautiful Blu-ray releases I now own, which is uh, The Scary of 61st. Randy, look at this packaging. Dude, Vinegar Syndrome. Look, it's a mirror, Randy. But also you open it up, more cool fucking art. Dude, there's so much art. Everything is textured on here. It's beautiful. It's incredible. I highly recommend if just fucking blind order this movie. What's the retail on that? I don't know. What was it? It's 33 bucks. Not bad. Shipping. Worth it. Which it's lower now. It's going to go back up to 50. I'm sure at some point. 50? Again. 50 bucks. Vinegar Syndrome. How many prints did they make? They have over a thousand left. Yeah. Oh, okay. They usually do a run of like a couple thousand. With that one, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more. Um, Vinegar Syndrome, you know, they they kind of run the gambit of like highbrow elevated film, like like actual like avant-garde to fucking home horror, like no budget, micro budget. And they have the fucking best slip covers and releases. Like I don't know. They might be my favorite boutique. I feel a little bit uh, committed to Severn, though, because, well, I mean, we love them. Like, as people, they're just good. Yeah. But uh, the product on Vinegar Syndrome, Zach, I love you. I, I, Intervision is still the best. Um, Zach, I, I don't give a shit either way. But also, you're cool. Also than that, I'm going to sneak it in here in the beginning. Uh, in Found Footage February, which we actually do have some found footage films to talk about, uh, we're going to slowly be rolling out info on the uh, new film fest. I, I will throw out some teasers now. We are going to be doing an in-person. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a gambit of the remaining theaters left in San Francisco. Uh, last week, we lost the Embarcadero. Boo. RIP. Yeah. What the very, fuck? Very quickly. I think they announced on like Monday or Tuesday, and then they were done by Friday. Well, they saw the Castro blowback, and they're just Man. like, fuck it. <laughs> Just be like, hey, we're out. Bye. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I, I don't have, uh, there's no reason for me to have a sense of optimism that another theater is going to jump Oh, no, spot. no way. So, well, and you, when we look in context, in the last couple of years, we lost the programming at the Yerba Buena. We lost the film program at MoMA. Mm-hmm. We lost uh, Embarcadero. We lost the Clay. And now we've lost the Castro. It's like, one, think how many theaters we had out here. When you had like the Red Vic and the Lumiere and the Bridge. That's in the city. Also, in South Bay, we lost the Guild, which was one of my favorite. It was a landmark theater. Oh, uh, no, it was, never it was been a there. one screener. It was a one screener in uh, Menlo Park. I just got in there all the time. I loved it. And now it's the, a nightclub. Uh, the California closed in Berkeley, too. Yeah. Yep. And the California. The, Love the California. The landmark theaters are dropping. Man. Yeah. It's a bummer. But, well, because uh, a lot of these landmark theaters were. Th- when they got in there, they revived those theaters. Yeah. And now it's just, yeah. I've always had a problem with their programming, though, because it feel, felt like most of them screened one movie that was already available online for like three months. <laughs> well, and you, that's it. You got your wish. They're dead. Well, they, they marketed <laughs> to that crowd who would want to see those. But again, these were older people yeah. that probably aren't in... You know, again, this is this is very regional theater politics here. So just know that we found some theaters that are still alive and we will be screening there. I'm going to give you the dates now. Just stick with us and we'll start revealing more. Our first screening tied to the Unnamed Footage Festival Part 5 is going to be on March 15th. Then you get a day off and then we're going March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day oh, through the 20th, off. which is a Sunday. So if you're if you live in town, we definitely want to meet up with you on Tuesday. But if you're flying in, which I know I know some of you are, uh, we're going Thursday through Sunday 
March 17th through 20th. Um, Hell yeah. And I'll, more to come in the future. Yeah, Randy, I heard a rumor you might be coming out. This is true. I will be there and um, plan on not talking to me because I am antisocial and I don't know how to talk to people. That's fine. I'll, I'll see if I can make it. <laughs> um, also, uh, even more important, we have a uh, what transmission screening of the movie that I love so much, Scariest 61st. What, what, what's the date for that? There's actually two. I think they added a second one. It's oh my! Be at the Roxy Theater on February 21st and the 22nd, which is a Monday and Tuesday. Now, did it sell out? Do we have tickets yet? Hey, here's no. a callback. Remember when I loved Halloween Kills, and I was like, I want to get two, <laughs> two of the action figures so I could open one and play with one. Oh, and it sounds like, yeah, I got it. She didn't order one. <laughs> she didn't get me a single one. Shout out to my mom who did come through. Thank you, mommy. You're the best. Mommy, you know, here's the thing. No, mommy. No, no, mommy's fine. I think mommy's fine. Now we did throw a Halloween party, and one of the members did. Uh, uh no, this was uh, was it was, Halloween or Christmas? It was the white elephant. It, it was, was the, the white, white elephant. elephant. Yeah, and uh, one of our friends, one of the collaborators on the Overlook Theater, uh, turned to his sister and said, "Daddy." Now I don't know. I don't know in what context, but he was referring to his father. This is a forty-year-old man, and I was like, "He did he just say daddy?" A forty-year-old <laughs> man referred to his father as daddy. Everyone kind of froze. We're like, "What?" Yeah, what? 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 I had to process. <laughs> I didn't think that it happened. It was weird. Oh, I do want to add the the scary of sixty-first screenings are on thirty-five millimeter, which 35. is um, courtesy of Vinegar Syndrome and Circle Collective, which I've never heard of. Now here's the thing. If you're a fan of cinema, if you're one of those people who's like, I'm a misanthrope, I love my church is the the theater. I love to go in a dark room and just pray. Um, that's where I live. This is one of those movies. I'll tell you, you walk out on the damn street and you talk about this film, you talk about Red Scare, nobody out here will admit to liking it. In fact, they'll probably get pretty angry and be like, oh, I hate them. Yet they added another screening. Mm. A little weird, huh? I wonder who's buying. It's probably all the fucking Proud Boys out here buying all the tickets up. <laughs> What are you going to add? I just don't know if misanthrope is the perfect word for that. I, just having been in like lobbies talking about films, I, you know, people... I think I think many film growers such as myself are misanthropic. OK, but then also here's the thing. You know what I love more than anything on this planet? An empty movie theater. I hate you know it. what I hate a what? full theater where I'm jammed up and crammed. You know, I'm I'm a little it's interesting you say that because I hate an empty movie theater because I kind of like the communal. also like to know that people are going to the theater. Yeah. But a full movie theater, I'm not totally psyched, mostly because I normally don't agree with the general audience. So when people like, especially if they turn on a movie, I've learned to love it, though. I've learned again when Wes Craven died and they showed Nightmare on Elm Street at the Roxy. Not not a supportive crowd. There were uh, bottles being thrown. It was like a Friday. There were people going, that blood looks fake. <laughs> um, and I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but after I talked to one of the people at the Alamo and they're like, well, I mean, think of it this way. You're, it's kind of like uh, the heyday in New York where you go into a theater to watch a movie and nobody else is there to do it. Now, we're going to talk more about this when we're, we're going to break down films. Um, but I do want to know what... What were your views on our theater experience uh, when we saw Jackass Forever? Um, well, I had uh, the theater experience I had before was Scream and uh, not a lot of people. There were like maybe one other group that was excited. And that's a bummer. A big like should be packed theater. And then like some people like, yeah, like on the other side of the room. Yeah. Jackass, a little better. 
a little it was a slightly smaller theater and there was like what maybe three healthy rows of people i thought it would be a little bit because i'll tell you this in the trailer you know we we had some commentary in the back where the guy would just go boo yeah i was like okay in most circumstances i'm not behind this yep but for this specific arena I think that that gave me a little bit of optimism that we're going to have a little bit of fun. It made me happy. And but we carried the laughter. Now there was a <laughs> there was a guy on our row that came by himself. He was cracking up. We were cracking up. I really couldn't hear what was going on behind us. Um now when I posted that I had watched Jackass, uh one of my favorite comments from Splatterbeast was that movie was nuts. And here's <laughs> the thing, I remember seeing Borat in that same theater. And there's a lot of uh, male members popping up. I believe one of them talks with his little hole. Yeah. And uh, we had walkouts. It's interesting to see how the culture shifted. Borat was a great success <laughs> when I saw it. Uh, that's not actually what well, was. No, I'm talking Bruno. That's what I meant. Bruno. Uh, yeah. I was going to give you shit for doing Borat when I meant Bruno. But... You said Borat. All right. Again, thanks, producers, for cor- correcting me here. Whoops. <laughs> Because you know how I love that. <laughs> All right. So we apparently we have a uh, segment that. Uh, well, no. Uh, do we, which one are we doing first? Uh, no, we got a guest. Okay. Come on. You... All right. Let's bring him in. All right. Can, I'm you, just, can you intro I'm just, him? You have me. You have me anxious about this TBR report that's going to take three days to do. It's not. It, I mean, it probably should, but it's not. Okay. Randy, be sure that we start a special timer for his uh, 14. Hey I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm pro timer. If we want to do segment timers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't resist that. Mm, Who? I, I well, why you. would I? Mm. My thing is, I just want to have some, like, I just want my facts straight. Okay. They came for Rogan. I'm next. I can't get shit right you on this next. show. I don't want to end up on the guillotine. If you see an apology video coming out of me, it's over. Well, show me some of that ivermectin. You know? <laughs> you know, when I had fucking COVID and I was just like going through it, I'm like, should I just reach out and try and get like some horse paste just to end this shit already? Good luck. I, I know, especially out here. You Now, here's my, here's my problem. Why can't we take horse medicine when people are using horse shampoo all the time? Oh, is that true? Mane and tail. People use that all the time. <laughs> I thought that was just a name. No, horse shampoo. <laughs> I'm reading Animal Farm. I think it comes up in that. Why are you reading Animal Farm? You didn't read Animal Farm when you were 12 like other people? I did, and I was like, n- now I can kind of appreciate the short format. Sure. Uh, again, keyword there, short. I'm, you know, I'm five books into my 50 for this year. I'm a little, you know, got to read an Animal Farm every now and then. Uh, sorry, uh, Russell, hit the bumper music. This is our new segment called Book It. Uh, yeah. It's uh, my go-to. You guys go-to. <laughs> okay, here I got another stinger for you. Book it. <laughs> okay, let's. Now, bring how it. many how many how many books are you reading simultaneously right now? Uh, four. That's too many. Cut it down. It's also a fake number. Randy, do you are you go one at a time or you dip around? Dip I usually around. only go one at a time. Dip around. So uh, I've I've heard that you have christened your Buster Keaton book, which I have also purchased. Uh, how far in are you? Uh, I read for a little bit this morning. I think I'm like just shy of 100 pages. My man. So how is it? It's good. It's good so far. I dig it. So this is it, about uh, not only Buster. So it's it's a little bit of a biography, but it also you know focuses a lot on you know early cinema history. Yeah, kind of like 
traces like the early 20th century, like alongside um, Buster Keaton's life. So he was born in like 1895, which was like the first like official like screening of movies uh, that happened. Um, And then, you know, he was in like vaudeville with his parents and they had a show where he was like five and he was getting thrown around and like doing stunts and stuff. And there was not really like child protection laws and stuff back then. So it kind of like talks about how that was like working alongside, like as he was coming up doing stuff with his parents, uh vaudeville show. So um, it's just now getting name. into like his movie career. Right. That is, that's how they named him. Cause he kept falling down. So they called him Buster. I hadn't got to that yet. No. Weird. I think it's something you'd open a book with. (laughs) I thought, I thought they called him Buster because my man could produce a big fat load (laughs) (laughs) at the early age of four. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's all I'm going to do. So you tee that up. I'm going to. All right. He flew all the way out. Can we let him in? All right. Let's do it. All right. Unless he's going to talk about books. (laughs) <laughs> you know what you want to place a bet on what he's going to talk about today all right here we go um well okay from a uh, music video director uh of blue bob thank you judge me and uh x japan longing we got a uh, david lynch come on in i appreciate you work you do on that everyone <laughs> good morning it's february 6 2022 and it's a sunday day two of weekend projects Day two of riding the fun work train. <laughs> and I've been having a pretty good time with resin. Weed? Wood. Boners? Quaaludes? Epoxy. <laughs> and a 14-year-old Filipino. Paint? Wallpaper paste. <laughs> what? <laughs> And many trips to the dining car for coffee. My man. Everyone, (laughs) have a great day. Wow. Can you imagine? You got to shut. He's still in the room. Oh, yeah. Get out of here. Thank you. Can you imagine (laughs) David Lynch's breath? Oh, I mean, I, it is, I mean, he is just smoking and sipping coffee all day. (laughs) Not to man, not to mention it is, we have documented cases of clear old man mouth. Oh yeah. You got, I could hear it there. It's rough stuff. It's probably all that wall paste he's been eating. (laughs) That's how he fights COVID. He doesn't have horse paste. He has wall paste. Did you ever watch? The um, now I I don't have the Criterion edition, but the original um, DVD release they did of Eraserhead oh, had a bunch of extra stuff on there. I've years ago. There's a 15 minute video of him just cooking quinoa. Oh, and at this I've time, a 20. What, a, where did a, you see that? Social media. Yeah. <laughs> at that time, that that honestly, that's the first time I was introduced to quinoa. Oh, was Lynch cooking quinoa? You should have thanked him while he was here. It has a lot of protein. <laughs> it's not. He was just here and you're mocking him. Quinoa. I just, I don't understand. Also, you should tell him to add that to the dining car. You know, he cooked that quinoa in a full suit and tie. Of course. Yeah, that's his look. 
Look at what Clark's wearing right now. You Have think you it's an it? accident? That's right. By the way, Randy, you like it? I'm I'm all white today, baby. Aren't I would say always? he has a lot of pride. Thank you <laughs> so much. I was hoping that David would use the opportunity of this show to announce that he is going to be in the new Steven Spielberg film. Yeah, did you hear about that? No. Yeah, he's acting. He, he, I heard starred, but then I, I don't. I just think they said, I don't. Is he starring in it? I, I think there's not any details about what the role he is playing currently. By the so way, he's going to be in it. All right. I mean, he honestly, he's starting to look like he should be in a Rob Zombie movie. He's got a lot of character, but I don't. I, Rob Zombie gets the most disheveled looking people. Meg Foster, I believe, was the one. Uh, she looked like a wind, a strong breeze would take her away. Yeah. <laughs> She'd collapse. All right. <clears throat> well, we did start this officially. So take a deep breath and uh, we're going to dive into our found footage coverage, I guess. You ready? Meg Foster looks like a melted candy bar. She looks like a raisin with like beautiful eyes. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, here we go. That sounds like a Limp Biscuit record. <laughs> the TBR Report. I changed the voice. <laughs> you got to warn me before. Oh, Randy went black. He left. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Thomas Burke writes, 25th edition, uh, the second consecutive 25th wait, edition. Wait, wait, wait. Oksana, do you sign off on that? We'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that after. <laughs> hey, gang. For, again, Thomas Burke, he's our found footage adventurer. He travels all over the world via the internet and digs up found footage films that we need to be talking about. And uh, today he's dug up a couple of doozies. So I'm going to read from that email. Hey, gang. First, to avoid any and all possible confusion, I'm going to suggest this week we have our TBR record be shared as a dual continuation of the second consecutive edition, 25th edition. This is to both com commemorate and honor all 11 other numerical mishaps that proceed. But fret not. Are you going to jump in there? Go ahead. Well, <laughs> he needs something else to do. No, I, I, I love it. All right. Back to the email. Frisbee golf. Frisbee golf. Cooking. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't have time. You want to give him another hobby? Thomas, you, here's, that is the main hobby. Sleep. No, he goes to the theater. He's a good man. Um, but fret not, because I have a movie here for y'all today that certainly stands out as something of its own, which happens to be a 1999 crime thriller titled Dirty Cop No Donut. A reality TV crew follows a police officer around as he takes the law into his own hands and slugs out his own brand of justice to each perp who crosses his path. So look, this VHS 90s flick is really bizarre, and the subsequent follow-up sequel is even more bizarre. It's a total mess. It's a complete rampage. And for some reason, I can't seem to peg why I enjoy the two-feature franchise. Maybe it's because I haven't given too many other shockumentary films a chance. I don't know, but to me, it's kind of held its own in shooting and capturing an original story, especially for the 1990s. You gotta love that VHS, baby. <laughs> Think of it like this, that old TV show Cops, but more greasy around the edges. Instead of being on Spike TV or whatever, this probably would have ended up airing in some liminal space of your TV that hangs in the fifth plane of existence and or consciousness. Showtime late night. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with that, <laughs> grab your diapers, fellas, because this one you won't want to miss, even though Clark and Randy will 100% totally miss this. This sounds like I would like it. it honestly, I'm going to make an argument for that. Uh, the first and second Dirty Cop can be streamed via Vimeo On Demand and um, have fun watching these. All the B, 
T B B B B J K I R J T B B I L Y N O M W O I O five T F T W P Thomas Burke blah 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 just kidding it's really just Thomas Burke but I love you no matter what okay I'm Audi five thou for the week peace oh, it's a mouthful honestly if I hadn't been doing all this reading I don't know if I could keep up with these emails um anyway Thomas uh he set it up right. This week, he's uh, directed me into a cinema vortex that, um, <sighs> Dirty Cop No Donut. That's a great title, right? Indeed. Now, when I tell you that it's directed by a Tim Ritter, does that mean anything to you? Uh, John Ritter's brother. I, I always think of that, too. Tim Ritter, and I'm sure some of you already know, is uh, kind of like a micro-budget master. He wrote and directed this film, and uh, he also did this classic micro-budget film, Truth or Dare, Critical Mass, Madness which um, I highly recommend if you're a fan of uh, shot-on-video horror. Um, he teams up with Joel D. Wincoop, who uh, also is a B-movie juggernaut. And uh, Joel plays Gus Kimball, who is their, uh, our dirty cop. Now, this film, Thomas, I'll tell you why you like this film. It's very low impact for a uh, found footage horror. You could really like you could throw this movie on in the background and have a party and show up to it when you want and walk away from it when you want. It's literally um, Gus Kimball, the cop with the cameraman walking around. It's almost like Jackass, where it's like there are scenes where he just comes in and he's just riffing the whole time. And just so you have a little bit of an idea of what Gus Kimball's like. I, I would describe him as Big Boss Man with a personality somewhere in between Sam Kinison and Tim Dillon. He's, dude, and he's just riffing. Now, again, this is 1999, so some of the uh, the dialogue, there's a lot of F-bombs here, and I'm not talking about fuck. So uh, if you're uncomfortable with that, maybe steer away. Um, I don't even like that I warned anybody about that. Because this movie, this motherfucker, here, I'll tell you what the movie is. Um, we open, he goes into a 7-Eleven. And he's just walking around with this cameraman, opening shit, eating it, putting it back on the shelf while talking shit to the guy uh, running the store. Then we go uh, to a residence and he uh, harasses a dealer and steals his Coke. Then we go to a prostitute on the street. We uh, pick her up and force her to have the weirdest interaction. Now, she mentioned she's from Jamaica. One of my favorite lines in this movie is Gus Kimball says, Jamaica, you Jamaican me crazy. And I'm like, I haven't heard that in two decades. <laughs> it's <laughs> from your dad. Yeah, I, dude. I mean, honestly, I'd probably be guilty of saying that. Um, then we get to uh, where I had to pull an audio clip. Now, honestly, this thing is a gold mine of just random garbage. It's so much fun. Uh, it's also a little edgy for today. So if you want some uh, comedy that isn't like filtered through 2020, um, you may enjoy the uh, fourth encounter with Tommy the pervert. Now, he sets it up. He goes to a hotel. He's looking through the window, and there's a, there's a tough gangster dude, right? He's asleep on a, on a chair. So he just opens the door, walks in, takes the gun from the guy on the chair, and he's like, this ain't Tommy. We're looking for Tommy. And uh, he kicks open a bathroom door where he sees Tommy, who is kind of a meatloaf-looking character with a towel around his waist. Mm -hmm. Now, I pulled a clip from here because I think everybody needs to hear a little bit of uh, Gus Kimball. So let me cue that up. All right, so just to set this up, Gus Kimball's just kicked open the door. He's got his uh, cameraman with him, and uh, Tommy the pervert, has uh, he's standing there looking a little pudgy with his towel around his waist. Uh, first, you're going to hear Tommy, and then it will be Gus. Here we go. 
What the hell do you think you are breaking into my fucking house and telling me what to fucking do, pushing me to fuck around? Yo, Tommy, shut up, man! I've got a gun! I got a badge! I'm the law! You don't mess with me! Do you understand me? How many times you been in, boy? How many times you been in the slammer? Fifteen. Fifteen! This boy's been in there fifteen times! In over what? Two, three months? Maybe a month and a half. A month and a half! And you keep getting out, Tommy! What's up with that? What insane asshole is letting you out of jail? Boy, should you blow your fucking head off, Tommy? I can just splatter your brain matter all over here, and you know what? I can cover it up, because I'm the law! This is no you bullshit, man. You're bullshit! You're shit! <laughs> this seems pretty good. Dude, It's the that's the movie. Also, Tommy, uh, if you felt a little bad for him and you're like, dude, this cop shouldn't be doing that. One, Chesa shouldn't have let him out. But two, he's a he's a pedophile. And uh, there's a moment where he makes him admit. He's a what? He's a pedophile. I uh, don't know if I have that clip anymore. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm looking. I, yeah, I don't think I have it. Um, he uh, he he makes You know what? He's a pedophile. Thank you so I much. I found it. Okay. <laughs> now, here's the thing. He makes him admit to having hooked up with a 13-year-old girl. Oh, so boy. if you're feeling bad for Tommy the pervert, you might want to tune into the movie because uh, Gus Kimball makes him cut his own dick off. Now, my only complaint with this <laughs> is that they don't show it. <laughs> Which, in, co- in, in context, when you watch this movie, they've got that very early uh, pre-internet horror vibe going where... They, the prostitute scene is consensual, so don't worry, it's not a rape. It, it pretty much is, but she she says yes on camera anyway. They zoom in on boobs and linger there for like you could just feel the lack of internet in this movie. <laughs> um. Anyway, after Tommy, we go to a warehouse where there's a homeless man. Uh, we go to a pawn shop where he harasses the dude running the pawn shop. That is a lot of fun. Um. Then he goes to a teen party where uh, he starts hanging out with the teens. Uh, he uh, pulls over a drunk driver and smashes her car up with a baseball bat. Uh, this movie, I, Thomas, you love it because it's just fun. Um, it's funny, too, because they have a disclaimer at the end. Also, in in the credits, they have one of those things where it's the original title of the film, which is Low Down Dirty Cop. I don't know. I think Dirty Cop No Donut is much better. better. Um and in the credits, they mention, hey, don't worry, this is all fake at the very end of it. And you're like, who the fuck is thinking this is real? Yeah. Like, it's so over the top. Also, um, one of the little uh, quirks of our cop, he kills every dead soldier at a party. And for those of you who haven't drank too much in your life, that's when you walk around a party and finish off beers that have been abandoned. Uh, he also burps and farts all the fucking time. Love it. And I think they're all real. Of course. Dude, uh, Clark, I think you would have a lot of fun with this. But I, I do think uh, Thomas is right and you won't watch it. It's also The guy who cool. plays the main cop has like 15 things. No, he, he is a master of B-horror. Yeah, no, he um, he's a fan favorite. And if you jump on IMDb and look through his stuff, I mean, again, if you do like micro budget or shot on video stuff, he uh, he's a king of it. Um, now, again... Tom did recommend two movies, so I did check out the second feature, Dirty Cop 2, I Am a Pig. Now, one thing I skipped over with the first one, it's being filmed by his brother, Ed. And there's not a lot of... Like, Gein? He, yeah, Ed Gein. No, he's way more boring. 
And uh, well, that's Ed Gein was kind of boring too. The thing is, we don't do. A, you would think this film is kind of an echo of um, Man Bites Dog, where it's kind of like edgy shockumentary, like you know, uh, nonfiction can be bad too. Yeah, we really don't dive into any of that. And Ed, the cameraman, is also a bad guy. So that's a little interesting. They're both like shitty. Uh, Dirty Cop Two starts off with um, Gus Kimball in jail. He's been arrested. And his brother, Ed, has made a fortune off their movie. So now Ed decides he wants to be a dirty cop. So he hires a cameraman and has him follow him. The other thing, though, is uh, Gus Kimball's been rehabilitated. And he gets out of jail wearing a beautiful pink shirt. And a super fan of his movie starts filming him and starts corrupting him. And uh, that moment where he goes back to his old apartment and sees all the porn on the walls. And it's just like, what the fuck? Why was I doing this? And starts breaking down. Beautiful. The rest of the movie, kind of boring. Also, Tim Ritter returns to direct. He's not credited as writing the film. And normally when we deal with the found footage movie and uh, there's no writer, they just kind of discover it. They credit the stars as being writers. There's no credit for writing on here. So I don't know what happened. This movie is much more boring. Ed uh, clearly doesn't have the star power of um, Gus Kimball. And a lot of his shit, like he, he kidnaps this rich girl and uh, is going to take naked pictures of her to send to her parents. She's too excited to get out of that dress. And that scene lasts fucking 15 minutes too long, mm. where she's just fully nude on a hotel bed, just like, fuck you, fuck you. And she's like posing. It's kind of cringy and it's, it's kind of boring, but uh, everybody should watch the first one. Um, now, before I wrap the book on this TBR, I, uh, I got to mention that uh, I've got a callback. I was supposed to pay this off a long time ago, but if you remember in episode 300, I talked about the Peter Jackson faux documentary where they kind of created a New Zealand superstar who had done everything from like invent cinema to fight in wars as a war hero. Was that forgotten silver? Forgotten silver. Um, I do pay attention. You do. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Now forgotten silver. uh, Again, the blowback that came from that movie coming out, it was written about, but I couldn't find anything. And if you look, they have a region two DVD where they have a special feature called behind the bull. And I couldn't find that anywhere. So we fucking ordered the DVD. We uh, figured out how to use our all region Blu-ray player and uh, we ripped it. So ripped it good. I, we are going to be putting up it's on YouTube right now and uh, we're hosting it, but it's a private link. So I think what we're going to do is tweet it. If you want to watch this 20 minute documentary, it's fucking good. It opens up with Peter Jackson and the other writer of the film whose name I had trouble with, uh, Costa Boats, Costa Botez. Crushed it. Um, he and he talks. Now, I pulled a little bit of audio. Costa, I said, I was asking Oxon earlier. I'm like, do you think that's Boats? And she's like, it's definitely not How Boats. Spell it? B-O-T-E-S. Botes. Botes, yeah. So Costa Botes. Him and Peter Jackson wrote and directed it. And, uh, it opens up with them talking a little bit about it. So here's Costa talking about um, Forgotten Silver. The trick with this documentary, of course, was that it wasn't going to be true. It was going to be um, a little white lie from beginning to end. Flicked on the radio and there was talk back. And the first thing that we heard were um, all these people raving and ranting about this brilliant Colin McKenzie and how absolutely sensational he is and how why has he not been heard of this? And he's one of the greatest Kiwis that have ever lived. 
Now, that second voice is the actor, uh, Thomas Robbins, who played Colin McKenzie. And this is this is the thing that always comes up on the show where when you present something that works as a nonfiction, but is actually fictional, uh, you get a lot of blowback. And it's a pretty interesting time. It's why I keep like alluding to the Rogan thing and just, you know, the ownership consumers need to take over the media they take in and just take in everything at face value. Well, you heard them. They're like, yeah, it was going to be a little white lie. Who cares? Um, Here's a clip of them talking about the blowback. Now, this is mixed. Some people like it, but they have voice actors come in to read articles and letters that were handwritten to them. So, again, after the first screening, um... And who's talking here? It's We're back to Costa again. Here we go. After the first screening of Forgotten Silver on New Zealand television in October 1995, the reaction was distinctly mixed. And I guess there was a feeling of overwhelming surprise in my mind to the degree to which we had succeeded in fooling people. And also the degree of strong emotion from people who hated the thought that they had been fooled. I'm astonished that you would screen this on TV. Can do nothing but harm, a real negative impact. I am so angry. I'll never watch another documentary again without thinking, is this serious? For heaven's sake, you even did an article on this bloke in The Listener. Are you all children? I feel cheated. TVNZ has not made any friends for themselves screening this. Montana Sunday Theatre is usually good, but this was brilliant. I'm going to be sure not to miss it in the future. Well, what wankers you turned out to be. (laughs) You're playing with people's pride, man. It wasn't a have, was it? I was. Yes, I thought so. It was too contrived. The film quality was too good. I felt sure that something would have come to light sooner if it had been fact. I think it is bloody disgusting that TVNZ could show this appalling, deceptive program. I want to come around and put a brick through your window. (laughs) Can you isolate the music? Because that's awesome. I don't care about those dogs with peanut butter in their mouth trying to talk. Yeah, I'm not sure what language they were speaking. but Well, well, it sounds like Narnia. It's the made-up land. Isn't that a trip, though? In 1995, there's still a dude who's like, I want to put a brick through your window. Because they watched the movie. And that's how Antifa (laughs) started. Dude, they watched the movie, enjoyed it, but were mad it was fake. Man, can we need to be more self-aware and chill. Like, watch it. Don't take anything as fact. If you're interested in it, just look into it a little bit. Again, um, it's a 20-minute featurette. Peter Jackson, he gets kind of like a, he, they give him room to tiptoe and he's mostly like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I thought people would have figured it out. No. And it's like, shut up. It, <laughs> it was beauty that killed the beast. Anyway, again, if you want to hear uh, my initial coverage on that, I, I believe that TBR report was on episode 300. What are you pointing at? This is Sparta. You don't have that anymore. Oh, this is, oh, come on, dude. You know. Running God the board. Damn. We need we need Randy in studio. So I he mean, can I can teach a man to fish, <laughs> but I can fish better than that man. That's all I'm saying. Oh, shit. <laughs> On that note. This concludes the TBR report. Dirty cop, no donut. Yeah, you got to watch that. I get, I think I got rid of the no Sparta or the Sparta thing. Vimeo, you say? You can rent it on Vimeo. Yeah, both okay. one and two.
I believe SRS put it out on DVD too. I should have plugged that. SRS does a lot of great um, micro budget. SRS to the world. <laughs> SRS to the So world. I would wait. I think we're just going to buy the double feature. Two copies, one so I can open and play with it. There's the a other. there's a physical copy. Yeah, it's a double SRS. Although one is really all you need. Okay, it's a good party movie. Well, the Beatles taught us that. Oh my god, they're, <laughs> they're canceled, dude. Nah, dude. Peter Jackson brought them back. True. All right, what are we doing now? Which I will never watch that because I truly could not get left. Of this I, shit. Shout out to a former guest, forever friend, Daryl Blood. He uh DB. he was DMing me about it. He had a lot to say on that movie. And I'm a little disappointed that our resident musician had near nothing to say, Randy. What the fuck? Well, DB's a big Beatles fan. Yeah. About Get nice. Back? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I watched 40 minutes of the first episode, and it was a little too slow. Didn't care for it. But I did, over the holidays, watch the third episode and really enjoyed it. Did you, So you just said fuck off to episode <laughs> two? Yeah, I mean, I heard... The third episode, so that's where like they do the rooftop concert, and I heard the third is kind of like the best one. And um, my sister and her boyfriend had been watching it, and so they, uh, which is I just watched the third one with them. Uh, the rooftop episode that sounds very New York for you, dude. <laughs> they really did that. It's in London. Yeah, yeah that was that the last time they like played. A rooftop show seems something that you want to do. Have you done a rooftop show? Sort of. There you go. I. Uh, <laughs> What do you I was mean, on tour sort with, of? I was on tour with uh, my friend Jeff, who I used to play uh, in Unconditional Arms. Uh, he has another project called Completer. Um, and we played a show in Brooklyn somewhere, and then we also played a rooftop in Brooklyn, but it was just acoustic. So there was two of them playing, and I was just and It was on the first in. floor. <laughs> no, it was a rooftop. <laughs> of a first floor building. Uh, it was like three, three floors, something like that. that. That counts. Also, I have a guess here. Uh, does he spell complete or missing a couple of the vowels? He does, yeah. <laughs> Not all Come of on, them, man. though. I'm on fucking fire Dude, today. Completing ain't cheating. <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> we could touch it up. All right. Speaking of touch it up, Randy, why don't you touch them bases, son? Talk about them movies. Sure, before I go into that, I will <laughs> say that I did communicate with Thomas Burke this week. As okay. I saw, I follow him on Letterboxd. And I saw that he watched a short film from the d- director of uh, Funeral Parade of Roses. Oh, shit. So I told him, hey, you got to check out this feature because it's pretty good. And then that was about it. <laughs> He'd never seen the feature? Then Thomas blocked him. No. <laughs> oh, shit. No, he responded. He said he'll probably check it out. <laughs> but um, he, re- he responded because he lives in the metaverse. Dude, I think That's he's just true. an online entity. I think he is an NFT. Do, oh. do you talk to Tom about NFTs? Non-fungible Thomas? Oh, <laughs> dude. He is. It's the NFT report now. It's the NFTB report. It's the NFTBR report. Oh, just keep adding. The non-fungible. Well, he keeps adding <laughs> the emails. He's writing binary code at the end of it. I love it. All right. Another Randy. friend of the show that is not Thomas Burke. Robbie Smith texted me a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago. Oh, Mr. Popular over here. Ooh, saying that... uh. Hey, you should check out this film called What Do We See When We Look in the Sky? And I had heard about this film from some uh, pretentious film podcast that I listened to. It made uh, like one or two top 10 lists, but it kind of seemed like homework. And I was kind of like, I don't know. I kind of 
dip out of some of the very art housey stuff in the last couple of years. Right. But, um, you know, after Robbie texted me saying, Hey, you probably like this. I gave it a shot. It's on movie. Like I said, it's, it's called, what? what do we see? No, I, don't, I do not have the cloud. Cl- oh, God damn Why it. are you outing me? Now I'm getting shots. That because we have board. built, we have cultivated <laughs> a culture here and we're failing all our right, own cultivation. Right. Can, Oksana, take a damn note. You need to help me out. Get Moo clip. <laughs> it's also like a six month old clip that we haven't used for a very long time. Yeah, but we, that's why we don't throw it. That's why we're tab hoarders over here, dude. Because we never know when we're going to have to bring it off the shelf. Also, we did get a Moo clip from a, a fan. They sent one cut in with the Amityville thing. That's yeah. how long ago that was. Man. Also, if you want to write an email to us, it's the overlook hour at gmail.com. Overlook wrong. hour. It's wrong? Yes. There's no the. I know it, man. It's right. overlookhour at gmail.com. Do you want to take a vacation <laughs> like I did? <laughs> Oksana, write a note. Order a new off Amazon. <laughs> I've lost weight. I think it will hold me now. <laughs> My man. Randy's always going to laugh at a noose joke. <laughs> so, right, yeah, so w- the movie the that I watched movie. on movie. Um, it is a Georgian film, not from the state of Georgia, but from the country of Georgia. Oh, Oksana's neighbor. <laughs> Directed by a man whose first name is Alexandra. I can't pronounce his last name. So uh, apologies on that. But we'll go with Jones. Uh, it takes place in a, uh, a riverside town uh, called Kutasai. Not sure. Uh, <laughs> so essentially, uh, there is this main character named Georgie. He is a football player, also known as soccer, for those of you in the U.S. Thank you so much. Uh, and he has like a brief encounter with this... Uh, Clown. Yes. <laughs> with a girl um and they meet and they like plan a date to go like meet up again um but they are sort of they're transformed in a way where they don't meet each other they don't Randy, know when they see each other again did they engage in coitus they did not no it was kind of yeah. just like it's like a meet cute situation a what so it's just what a meet cute meet That's cute a, You've never heard that? That's literally no. like a cinematic term for like a scene in a movie where two people meet and they kind of like have a thing. I've never heard that. I've never heard of that. <laughs> and I've heard of everything. So essentially, yeah, these two people meet. And then, um, so this movie is kind of like a fairy tale. Um, there's like some magical realism in it. Um, so essentially, yeah, these two people meet, they kind of like hit it off and then they go to sleep that night and they turn into different people. And so when they do meet again, they don't know that they are the people that they were when they met each other. Understood. Um, it's very interesting. But um, yeah, it is a very long movie. It is two and a half hours, but oh, it's right. really good. The uh, I don't know what they shot it on. I'm pretty sure it's shot on some sort of film, maybe 16 millimeter, but um, it's beautiful. Just like this beautiful, sunny town. Um, just gorgeous cinematography. And yeah, it's very, it's very just... Interesting. So I listened to a uh, Q&A with a director and he said that his next film, he's planning on like making a, a kid's movie. And I could totally see that because this kind of has like a weird sort of like a magical feeling to it. Um, like I said, it's, it's kind of a fairy tale, but it takes place in the city and it kind of explores like the people in the city. The city is very obsessed with football. He's a football player. So there's like this whole like 
thing about the World Cup in it. It kind of feels like... Please say uh, something. I think... <laughs> no. <laughs> I think uh, your, your favorite guest, JTT, says that he shoots films like documentary and he shoots documentary like they're films. Yeah. This feels like a documentary that is shot like super cinematically, um, like a film. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of... Okay. Yeah, I thought okay. it might have been. There's a, <laughs> there's a comment about it. So it, it kind of meanders a lot, but I kind of like films that like meander and don't 100% like scream at you like what the point of the movie is. Um, like it's really life. good. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I'm a meandering person. So I like uh, seeing meandering in, in, in films. Um, yeah, it's really good. If you uh, got a movie subscription and you uh, like things that I talk about here, <laughs> Then uh, I don't know. You you probably dig it. Again. Meet cute. <laughs> Meet cute. <laughs> Meet Look it up. That sounds that sounds like a dating app. Dave. Noun. In a film or television show, an amusing or charming first encounter between two characters that leads to a development of a romantic relationship between them. It all started with a little meat cute in a hospital elevator. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I I just hate that title yeah. for it randy doesn't go on dates he likes meet cute <laughs> meet cute it made me think of like a uh q-tip made out of meat that was the first thing that popped in i was a meat cube oh a meat cube and like a puzzle hungry. box made of meat yeah <laughs> <laughs> randy thank you for teaching me that i'm g- never gonna forget it i'm still shocked that neither of you knew what that was how did know. you know i don't have heard about it i don't know since i've known about movies i guess yeah, because you start out watching rom-coms. Dude, here's what we nah. do. We make a movie called Meet Cute, and it's Randy going on a bunch of dates via app, but he doesn't actually want anything from the girl. And That's he has not a, a Meet Cute, dude. No, it's no, you have a camera. Yet, oh, wait, what? It's got to be sporadic. It can't be, uh, it can't be on an app. It's got to be sporadic. It just happens. Yeah. It doesn't, I just read the definition. Okay, fine. You know what? Let's roll with that. We follow Randy around with a camera, and you force yourself into meet cutes, and then uh, meet cute. Then when the girl gets attached, you just like ghost her. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> ghost cute. All right. Meet yesterday, cute. on on. All right. What else you got, son? Uh, yeah, yesterday I went to the uh, still open Landmark Theater here in Atlanta. Hopefully it doesn't close anytime Ooh, soon as I go there fired. very often. Uh, I saw the movie called Sundown with Tim Roth and Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, directed by Michelle Franco, who did a movie called New Order that came out last year or the year before uh, that I really enjoyed. Well, yeah. I missed that. I've been meaning to watch that. It's a, It's not a... It's not a subtle movie. It's not a meandering movie like my my last film was. Understood. Um, no, this movie cute. is a little more subtle. So essentially, um, Tim Roth and Charlotte Gainsbourg, they're uh, brother and sister, and they're on a vacation with Charlotte Gainsbourg's um, kids in Acapulco, uh, and they are at like this super fancy like resort, kind of just hanging out by the pool drinking their kids are drinking their kids look really young so you know i'm sure the drinking age in mexico is different than it is here i don't know i haven't been to mexico besides to build a uh shelter a long time ago <laughs> I uh, as a christian <laughs> <laughs> we that too. i mean there was four of them so 
Um, so they're there and uh, they're they're hanging out. You know, they look kind of bored. Um, but um, Charlotte Gainsbourg gets a phone call from a family member, and they pretty much say that like <laughs> they pretty much say like, "Hey, we need you to come home because like someone's dying." Essentially, so they pack all their stuff. They rush to the airport. And um, Tim Roth, as they're paying for their flights, he says, oh, I don't have my passport. I think I forgot to to the hotel. But you guys go without <laughs> me. It's like, it'll be fine. And uh, essentially, he, he gets back into a vehicle. Um, and it seems like he didn't actually leave his passport and that he just didn't want to go back. And he gets into a taxi. And the taxi driver says, where you? Where do you want to go? He says, hotel. He says, what hotel? He's like, I don't know. Just take me to one. So he takes him to like this very, uh, I don't know, more like provincial area of Acapulco, you know, not super high class, not resorty, and uh, just drops him off there. And then Tim Roth just decides to fuck off and just hang out in Mexico. It's interesting. There's maybe reasons for why he does that, but it's never a hundred percent stated. Like why or what's going on and um yeah it goes places it gets kind of dark and um i don't know tim roth is really good charlotte gainsborg isn't in it uh, a ton it's kind of more of tim roth's movie but i don't know it's an interesting one i'd want to uh talk about it with other people that have seen it but i know zero people that have seen it <laughs> i thought about seeing it does that count yeah that counts for something all right there we go Dude, Tim Roth's looking, uh, he's looking aged. He is, yeah. He's looking pretty old on this. I'm glad he's back, though. Not that he went anywhere. I was about to say. I like a Tim Roth. All right, Randy. In uh, honor of found footage February, I know you didn't want to talk about it, but give us a very short rundown of why you hated the Deep House. I didn't hate the Deep House. I really enjoyed the first, like, five to ten minutes where it was, like, a road trip movie and there was like a banger of a song in the opening credits and it was, <laughs> yeah, it felt like a, you know, the triangle or something, you know, a little, little road movie to start. And then, um, you know, it looked cool underwater, but the thing about being underwater is that jump scares are slow. <laughs> and I didn't unless give a shit about a, any of the characters. Unless it's a fake ass fish, dude. But Randy, how the fuck did they film it? Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, that's why it looked cool, but it doesn't mean that I was interested in what was happening. <laughs> you didn't like the underwater drone? I was kind of cool, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't care about any of the characters or I wasn't really immersed into anything, really. Yeah, because the mind-numbing exposition probably took him out, which yeah. took me out. Probably. Yeah. It was also, yeah, they would switch from, which I get, it's probably like a French slash English production, but they would just switch randomly from English to French sometimes, like mid-sentence, which is, <laughs> I don't know, interesting. I mean, when you can speak multiple languages, you know, flex, baby. Again, <laughs> I love the Deep House. So don't uh, group me up with these fucking heathens over here. I mean, that's fine. Bad taste. You know I, mean? <laughs> I also love bad taste. Good movie. God, are you going to shut up about Peter Jackson? I know. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he's a liar. He, we should lock him up and throw a brick through his Man window. Almighty. 
All right, Randy, uh, and then you'll you'll jump on here as we, we got one that uh, we all have seen. So uh, yes, we'll sir. do that after my first review. So um, I want to set the table here uh, for this film as it was directed by someone who you may be hearing on this show in the very, very near future. Knock on wood. Uh, from Sarah Adina Smith, uh, Birds of Paradise. I released last year, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Two girls at an elite Parisian ballet academy have their bond and bodies tested as they compete for a contract to join the company of the Opera Nationale de Paris. I cannot stress to you how much enjoyment I got out of this movie. Now, number one, I should I should lay the foundation. I should set the preface. If this if this review is a book, here's the preface to the book. I may or may not have been higher than Randy's receding hairline. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out perfectly. This is a two-hour movie about ballerinas. Now, if you know me, I'm like a ballerina. Now, here's, here's what you do need to know. Number one. I am an I am an experienced ballerina to a certain extent in the sixth grade. Now, I grew up in Mississippi. In Jackson, Mississippi, Jackson is actually one of the ballerina capitals of the world, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, there's a national ballerina touring company. They always stop in Jackson. Jackson, for whatever reason, is a ballerina hub. So this company came by my very fancy school or that I went to for two years because my mom taught there and I got free tuition. And <laughs> they came by, I was in the sixth grade, and then we did like a demonstration. And I did a demonstration, and I'm just, let me just say, I brought the house down. That's all we have to say. So Is this true? 100%. Did, so did you train? Like for, could you no, stand so, on your toes? So what or? they did was they, they want us to do... They put a towel on the ground mm -hmm. and then we had to run and jump over the towel. <laughs> and I don't remember what my move was, but it got the best reaction. Cause you know, we got another ballerina in the house who actually went and uh, took classes in San Francisco over here. Well, she didn't have a choice. She's Russian. Is that true? No, I paid for those classes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but what I'm saying is, you know, it's, it's in the blood, man. I wish it was. I was fucking horrible <laughs> how long did you do it for uh maybe like five or six sessions oh i thought you were saying years no we had something here. <laughs> my mom tried to get us to do that and she's like yeah you guys didn't want to so i didn't i didn't press it so doing starting that as an adult will really awaken you as to how uncoordinated you are <laughs> which i am tremendously i could pull it off so I will, um, you guys have not seen this and you will probably see this for, as I said before, um, we're, we're building uh, a foundation for a future guest. And um, so I'll tread lightly here because I, I do, I would like to talk to Sarah about this. Um, anyway, um, essentially, if I had to sell this movie, I would sell it as Black Swan meets Cruel Intentions. Because Sold. We, we have some good old class, oh boy, some good old <laughs> fashioned pulp. What were you about to say there? I was going to say class okay. for whatever reason. Old class, because that's something you say. <laughs> Idiot. 
Uh, yeah, good old fashioned pulp, man. And there is let me let me let me explain this. A lot of sex. Oh, okay. I mean, they be fucking in this. So is it like witty Mean Girls? Like, not so much witty. They're just mean. I I love that though. And it's in Paris, and there are two American girls, and they are roommates, and they don't hit it off at first. Um, one is um, an all-American girl. She used to be basketball. She's very tall. She's very slender. She's very athletic. And she is she's on a mission because she was there on a scholarship that was given to this because it's very expensive to go to this uh, Estate Ballerina Academy. But it is also a competition. And it, it's always working up. The film is actually structured um, in acts in a timeline to when the prize is. And the prize is, as I mentioned in the um, description of the film, is a contract with the National Ballerina Act in, in Paris. So um, basically, it's a it's a two-horse race at the end of it, and her, this girl's roommate is the other, um, you know, one to watch out for. Okay. <laughs> She's the other star, really. And they're both Americans. Uh, the other girl, her roommate... Is comes from a very wealthy family. In fact, uh, this girl's mother is the U.S. ambassador to France, and her father is a nut milk tycoon. Oh, and that's a very it's it's a good back. There's also a very deep and rich backstory that I really don't want to touch concerning this girl and her twin who died. Ooh. Um. And again, it just really plays into that pulp, man. And it's it's so much fun, um, and it's sexy. It's fun. It's dark. <laughs> Those are all great. We words. got a lot of competition here. We've got the you know the very strict, you know, sort of um, the ballerina teacher who's also kind of like the house mom, and she's very akin to like the um the head nun in benedetta oh my god now um sarah the director of this film also did uh the midnight swim which we showed it up to and honestly still stands out as one of the best found footage films made by and starring women and it's all about like their emotional relationships and connections and navigating it I am played very well. To I, I'm so fucking stoked to watch this movie because I think she she really has a way with like empathy and relationships. And also this thing looks great. Dude, the this cover is fucking great. cool. I'm shocked. I like hadn't heard about it in any other avenue than just from the director. But essentially what what the base of this film is and the reason why I want to say, you know, that why I'm tying in that cruel intentions um, scenario into it is that these two form a bond. They form a pact. Yeah. And essentially they say both of us win the competition or none of us win the competition. But as soon as that pact is made, then, you know, they're looking at each other for, you know, who's going to backstab me or, you know, love it. That's the thing. And then it really gets into that aspect of it. I, I really, really enjoyed this. And uh good job. I feel like you didn't spoil anything. I try. <laughs> Not <laughs> And it, it's available on Amazon Prime. Is that correct? On the poster, it says that, but I don't know. Yes, on, on Amazon Prime. 
which is now $20 more for your yearly subscription. Is it? Yeah. Saw it's, that, yeah. Yeah, they up the rate. They're not raking in enough money. Now, here's the thing, Bezos. If you're going to up the cost, can you fucking pay the people who give you movies on there a little bit more? Because I think they went down to a penny. Look, man, I use Amazon Prime all the time. You constantly are ordering shit. Constantly. I just ordered something while we oh. were <laughs> <laughs> recording today. So, and I'll tell you this, this watch I have on right here, this is a $180 watch I got absolutely free because Prime said that they lost it and it didn't come at the time where it was supposed to be shipped to me. And so I filed for a refund, got the refund the next day the watch showed up. Score, bro. Boom. Thank you, Bezos. What kind of watch? I don't want to get into it. But All right. <laughs> it's very rare. Okay. Also, when I got it, it was never, actually never produced in America, only in Japan. Oh, so I, re- I regret. So I the, shouldn't have asked. the instructions all in Japanese. Oh my! Randy hates that shit. It's a Casio G Shock, <laughs> but it's a uh, it's a uh, G Glide. See, like glide. All right. See? You got another movie? <laughs> yeah, I got another movie. I watched a bunch of documentaries on Netflix. Uh, again, I, I think I've talked about that that series before, uh, Bad Sport, which was um, one particular I want to talk about very briefly is just, are you aware that there was a race car driver in Florida Uh-oh. in the 1980s who funded his own race car team in both IMSA and in IndyCar because he was a drug runner? I have, what are you saying? Ends, well, I have no... IMSA, no, IMSA, <laughs> IMSA is basically the third most popular racing in America. I didn't know there were three. Huh. I thought it was just one. I understand. No, but I did not know. Yeah. Um, it seems weird to run drugs on one track hundreds of times. So he was, he was, he was running pot. And <laughs> Throwing him out to the crowd as he passed by? In Florida. And what, the way they had it is that, I'm a dude, I'm telling you, how they... they they brought in the most amount of marijuana ever in the country (laughs) and how they would do it is that they would, you know, at the bottom of, they explained it and I'm going to butcher this, but essentially the bottom of the ship has a little bit of salt water in there Mm -hmm. to kind of keep everything balanced. So what they would do is that they would get welders to go in the hull of the ship and make like a compartment and put a ballast in there to separate it from the, from the water. And like when they would do a check, um, Customs could never see it, yeah, because it's hidden. is a hidden compartment, and so they would just ship just boo coodles of weed, and I forgot the total amount, but it was hundreds of millions of dollars that they they were able to bring in, and he funded his racing team through the marijuana, and then he got that's rad. And then he got busted. He went on the run. He got caught very quickly, and then he went to jail for life. Oh, because this was right when the um ronald reagan oh right drug enforcement yeah and uh obama pardoned him <laughs> with all the you know because he was because he was in there for marijuana yeah. that well, was it the pardons are a trip he didn't do coke he didn't do anything else it was marijuana now the pardon thing i'm so conflicted on because you know it's basically presidents are making good on dues with people that have supported them and it's wild. Like, you should check out all the people who have been pardoned yeah. uh, presidentially. It's crazy. Um, also, I just looked it up. Dude, Peter Jackson directed this. It's all a lie. <laughs> you got to check this shit, man. Um, people listen to this show, and you're feeding them lies, dude. I'm reporting you to Spotify. 
God, I, for the life of me, I can't remember what the name of this movie is called. Okay. <laughs> what oh, movie? Oh, here we go. Randy Lanier is the race car driver. And the name of the movie... Oh, that's Randy was named after him. Is the name of the movie... I was named after race a movie? racer. You were? Randy Mamola. I think he's a uh, motorcycle racer. Yeah, that MotoGP, that's next level, oh. man. Yeah. I was named after a racer trash. Oh boy. I Which uh if you have the internet archive uh, if you it's a website. Google the internet archive, go into their search engine, put in racer trash one word. Uh because it's done, they've uploaded a lot of it, including blue velvet. And the Abaduk. And one of the dark wave um uh are you afraid of the dark? I mean they have the whole Stephen King one up there. We'll we'll do it later after found footage February. But right. It's incredible. Um, the name of the series is Bad Sport on Netflix, and they had like several different. Uh, I think they had four or five different documentaries. All the uh, the first one I talked about was when it, it was the first episode that came out, uh, which was Malice at the Palace, which is still incredible. Um, and this is great. I love that series. Uh, Look, the Netflix documentary stuff is hit and miss. I watched one three-hour thing about a guy who says, he said he was like a member of MI5 with this fan. I don't know. It was boring. Don't watch that. Is that a boy band? You know what MI5 is. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about it. Uh, Long awaited. You know, it got pushed back. We were supposed to have it, I think, at two different points last year, and then they moved it to February 4th of this year. We were all excited. We're all fans. We all we're all of a certain age. And within that certain age, I think all with with all again, we have many different interests here, okay? But if it was a Venn diagram, there's a similar thread through all of our Venn diagrams. And that Venn diagram is Jackass. Moonfall. Oh. Look. <laughs> If we all go, if we all go together to go see Moonfall, yeah, let's do it. All right, we we went together to see Jackass. Let's do it. And we had a whale of a time. You were out of gummies. I was more than happy to supply you with some gummies so that you could enjoy. You know, I would have enjoyed it the either expedition way. Expedition. I just wanted to be completely unhinged, removed of anxiety, <laughs> and melt into the chair in an elevated <laughs> state of mind, and just let all of the male genitalia just wash over me so much. And I should say, uh, you know, our our collaborator with uh, the Overlook Theater YouTube page, which you should subscribe to, uh, Terrell Trotty. This was his first ever Jackass experience. I didn't know that until we got in the car going home. (laughs) Incredible. And uh, I think he might have just said white shit like 48 times during that movie. It's 100%. (laughs) And they, they, they brought in some color. Yeah. And they were doing more white shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah. there you go. Um, all right. So Jackass Forever uh came out this week and you know, essentially it's it's more the same. However, we like the same. So the big changes, I would say number one, I really enjoyed the more cinematic opening that they did mm-hmm. because they they kind of made a little bit more of a I mean you know, there was more money into the into this one because a tip typically in the previous three, it's them running from something. Yeah, you know, and, and there's money in it. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. But, but this one, this one was really impressive. <laughs> it was really, really impressive. Now, hey, all right, are we giving away gags here? I don't. Maybe we should stay away from the opening gag. 
It's fine. Yeah, we can move away from it. Um, great. It was, and when the realization of what it was, you saw. I <laughs> lost it. Um, yeah. The main thing with Jackass Forever is that we've gone kind of the Scream Five route, where we have the legacy cast who you come to see, and uh, you know, like Chris Pontius and Steve O and Johnny Knoxville, and then we have like Dave kind England. of we have some parallel people like Eric Andre shows up, and uh, yeah. because I believe he used the crew that does Jackass to make his movie uh bad trip yeah and yeah. uh he's just kind of there but then we introduce tony hawk shows up tony who's just kind of there too like little cameos but then we introduce a new round of people and i remember a new feeling, cast yeah and i remember feeling a little duped i'm like wait what who the fuck is poopies and i'm like <laughs> what are we doing here and you know what by the end of it I'd say they got it 50 50. You get, you get ingratiated to them very quickly. Now here's the, th- here's what I'll say, but cause we do have a new cast. So that's what I wanted to say. That was the second part. One is that they had a more cinematic opening, which I think worked great. I think it's my favorite opening that they've done. And that's saying a lot. Cause I do love those openings. Number two is the new cast. So there's, I think four or five new cast members. Um, two of which really only make an impact for me. Yeah. And that is Zach and Poopies. Yep. These guys, they fit in so quickly. Like, they could have been in the original cast because these guys go at it and they go hard, man. They took the they took the roughest ones. Poopies, man. Poopies is all over this movie. And Zach. Zach is uh, a, a larger gentleman. Um, I <laughs> believe he is, he is larger than Preston Lacey. And those two together, that's a good duo. You know, Zach isn't far from Zach Amico. Like, I kept thinking that. Yeah. Like, he's got kind of that, like... He's um, bigger than Zach Amico. Dude, and he does a lot of, like, aerial stunts. Dude, he's going... He jumps in a pile of cactuses. And, you know, the the fucking... I believe it's cacti, by the way. Thank you so much. And uh, I was talking to Clark about this on the way, because I imagine you've had a run-in with a cactus before. No. Never? No. Okay, my mom used to have them on the stairs in our house. Why would I have a run of a cat? Because I've been in Phoenix several times. You've been all over. You're very global. And uh, you do weird shit with plants. So I I Smoke myself them, had, eat them. Had run in, I've had a run in with the cacti before. And they fucking hurt. Like, I, you see them in cartoons a lot. But I'm like, I don't think people really appreciate how brutal that stunt was. And it wasn't very visual other than him wearing a cape. And no, he had. A, it was a hang glide. He had a hang glider. Yeah, and uh, I mean, hey, watching uh, the larger boys in slow motion—it's kind of fun. Also, spoiler alert: the hang glider did not help. <laughs> <laughs> Five feet away. <laughs> oh, human ramp. Yeah, human there was ramp a lot. was great. Yeah. Now hold on, because Clark only mentioned two people, but there is a female to the cast now. Uh, Rachel Wolfson, I believe, stand-up comedian. Yeah. Stand-up comedian. Now, Clark, you were defending her in the theater. I said, I've never felt that a cast member has been more of a diversity hire because they didn't do shit to this girl. They hit her with the glitter gun. And and again, spoilers, but you're not missing out on anything. She got a glitter gun. She put her tongue on a taser, which honestly, that doesn't seem like a good time. Yeah. But for this movie, and nothing. Compared to what the other two had to do in that same segment. She by far got off the easiest. Yeah. Because poopies had to kiss a snake. 
And then what? Twice. She, she had one where like an animal was going to bite her. And here's the thing. You can't really kiss snakes because they're going to bite you in the face. And that's what happened to poopies. Dude, it is incredible. I'm just like, did she film a bunch of shit that just didn't work? Because otherwise, dude, they let her off the hook. And uh, it was it was funny because Terrell kept cheering for the uh, they're like. There's like a black cast member now. And he was just like, man, he didn't do anything. Actually, they brought his dad out and that motherfucker did a lot. His dad more. rules. Yeah. <laughs> also, that's the other cast member that is Dark Shark. Yeah. <laughs> and also because of Dark Shark, I now have a new nickname that I've given myself. Oh, no. Dark Shark Clark. <laughs> you just stole a nickname. Thank you. Also, so much. I hate it just for the record. I hate it when people give themselves a nickname. It's but, fucking, that's not how nicknames work. But you support this. I will, Dark because Shark I love you. Thank you so I much. I fucking hate it, though. Dark Shark Clark. Dark Shark was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, I don't even remember his kid's name. I don't either. And, I, yeah, and honestly, I can't remember a single stunt that he did, because all basically he did was talk in the movie. Like, so he narrated a couple scenes. I'm like, what are we doing? He also felt like the only character who was reading off a prompter. Yeah. Like, he felt very scripted, where, you know, part of the reason I think we love Jackass is how unscripted and raw it feels. And, like, it's very honest. And that dude just didn't feel that way at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Another thing to note is because this was filmed in, like, a COVID era, there's not a lot of, like, man on the street. Which, honestly, I didn't even realize until we we went to a special screening that had like a 10 minute behind the scene where they kind of introduced all of the new cast. And um, it was pretty interesting. But like we had a couple. We had a couple and they, they were pretty good. You missed mm-hmm. one. of them. Oh, I did. You missed one. Um, You missed the obligatory Dave England shit bit. Uh, no, I, I saw that one. No. Because they did a recut later. Oh, but you missed the original. Oh, okay. He took, yeah, he was at a he was at a uh, garage sale, and there was a toilet, and so he went and took a shit in the toilet. But then the toilet blew up. Oh, I did miss that. <laughs> yeah, dude, I I've never felt held captive by uh, you know the act of urinating before. Um, that gummy must have hit me. I felt like I had been in that bathroom for a fucking eternity. Well, it takes you three hours to pee because of your narrow urethra. Yes, it's a, <laughs> a very traumatic story how it got so thin. But I don't. <laughs> but well, I was in the bathroom, just like I'm never leaving. I was speak, like, I'm living here now. Speaking of thin urethras, there's also Franklin's a <laughs> urethras or urethas. Urethra Franklin. Yeah, there is a segment. Uh, what's that? Ping pong. Oh. Wait, what were we? T- we were talking about it before we started recording. Panini press. Panini That's press. what it should have yeah, been. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris Pontius put his penis between two plexiglass plates, bolted down, oh, yeah. and made his penis paper thin. Yeah, <laughs> paper thin. He was like, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, <laughs> paper thin. And then there was a ping pong ball attached. No one has done more to their dick than Pontius. Yeah. And then Terrell found out that he had a baby a year ago and he was like, ow. No, not not Pontius. It oh. was uh Oh god, who's Mohawk dude in that movie? Danger Aaron. Yeah, he had a baby. Uh, I want to be very clear. Danger Aaron had the roughest go in The here. roughest. Yeah. I mean, I it it's wild. And uh I don't want to talk about it because I really want people to enjoy it, but they did a haunted house uh bit where it was like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And it was comp- it was not physical. 
it was completely psychological where they just had a uh, blackout room and they had, um, well, it's not infravision. It's like night vision goggles on and they fucked with two people, man, oh, that three, they fucked with six people, but they all did two it by time. two. Yeah. And, uh, I think that might be the best thing they've ever done. It's so good. It was incredible. It's just like raw emotion. And it's really like, you know, when you see Johnny Knoxville get tossed by a bull, there's part of you. It's like, why am I watching? Like, dude, don't do that. This one felt completely tame and like no guilt. I do. That's my favorite thing they might have ever done. And also just, you know, these guys have PTSD from those things. Oh, you have. And Dave England's (laughs) like, I can't do it. He's like, he didn't want to leave. Well, my favorite thing from the kind of lame bonus feature we got was they were talking to Poopies and they asked all the new cast members, like, what did you learn? And Poopies was like, what did I learn? He's like, volunteer for anything where you can't break a bone. And that's yep. they're like, oh, that's why you did the dick thing. And he was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, that's good advice. And when they asked Zach, he didn't have an answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other people, who cares? Because they were forgettable. Um, but I really liked, I really, I love the, uh, the vulture bit with Wee Man. Yeah. The vulture, a terrifying animal. Horrifying. Um, I think vultures, I'm, I'm there with, uh, our buddy Adam Stillwell. That might be on the top of my nightmare list now. Like fuck a spider. I've seen that all the time. And snakes, that vulture, I felt like it was completely unpredictable and looked like it, it was, it would want to kill you, man. Terrifying animal. Super scary. Also, I imagine they fucking stink <laughs> oh they have to reek man they have to reek now there was only one bit that i could not watch i had to turn my head really and i didn't see what happened what what was it it was with danger aaron when he had the um all the different segments of them of them busted his balls oh the pogo stick yeah yeah i couldn't oh. watch the pogo stick i couldn't do now, it now uh that's a re um what that's a randy retread of a a bit there it's the fucking cup check yeah from the first one yeah Yeah. cup test uh and they fucking (laughs) they up that one i this was a ton of fun and again i i put it up on instagram and i was like dude it's incredible how therapeutic this movie felt because it's just people there's not a lot of covid talk like there's some people in mass but they're just hanging out and like doing dumb shit well look Jackass has been going on for over 20 years. So because of that, there is certainly a level of nostalgia there. And I think that we hit that piece, right? Yeah. Also, with the addition of the new cast and addition of a couple of great cast members, it took it to a different level and it made it something a little bit more fresh. And I I loved it, man. I really, really did. Funny how you chose the word fresh as currently on Rotten Tomatoes. It's sitting at 85%. It wasn't. Hell yeah. I know. But what? How? Now, again, let me defend my uh, quote unquote weird, rebellious way of rating movies. How the fuck do these idiots, these wannabe critics out here, give that 85% and then shit all over everything else that's like a horror movie? What what standard are they going by? Spike Jones. It's like, man, <laughs> yeah, Spike Jones. All right, fine. You win. Well, also, thing is, because I've been loving reading uh the critical reviews for this movie because a lot of the people we're old now and so are the critics that grew up watching the same shit so i feel like there is a lot of nostalgia um in it from a lot of critics and yeah they do like introduce new people and it's overall just like fun and like just watching them and like their camaraderie like they do almost take bits too far sometimes but anytime like a bit finishes like you see them like 
hugging each other to like calm them down or like just the camaraderie of everybody. Just like, I don't know, like you said, it's felt very therapeutic and it's just like great to see. And I think, yeah, we're we're old. Critics are the same age, if not younger than us now. So I think that kind of adds to it. I absolutely, I would go watch this right now. Now, again, very controversial at the end of the film, they have a little memorial there. And uh, really, I wish they would have talked more about Bam Margera. They just gave him a uh, post-mortem date. Uh, now, Bam... They gave Ryan Dunn a post I understand. But where <laughs> the fuck was the Bam talk? He's not dead. Also, they had another uh, heavily, heavily addicted... Uh, well, I almost called him a celebrity, and I felt wrong. Like Peter Jackson. Uh, Rob Deirdrick was there. Who... Well, he looked oh, bad. He And also annoying annoying as fuck what they should have got chanel west coast he was trying too hard like what was he doing no i don't remember him being like that always now uh rob he's had a i mean to take it in a serious direction he's had a bad run-in with drugs has he he's talked about how he's prostituted himself to men for uh really yeah so he's had a hard life damn here's the thing fucking so is bam margira now i looked into it because it's kind of like a a hole they just don't even mention him. And, you know, he's such a big part of this thing. And I looked into it. Apparently, they had given him some strict guidelines. They wanted him to get drug tested every day on set. He had to be sober. And there, it's a long list. A one, one of those items on there was the straw that broke the camel's back. And he just said no. Then he went on like a live stream and just started talking mad shit about the production. So I believe the producer actually got a restraining order against him mm. because in that rant, he may have uh, thrown out some death threats in that extended to his family. So, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think there just had to be a levi- uh, healthy level of separation there. And, you know, yeah, it's a bummer. I'm a, it sucks. I'm one of the people who, you know, used to love Bam when he was skating had like posters on my wall. I miss him. He does look fucking terrible, though. Also, him, mm-hmm. not a great band. Well, look, here's the thing. If Look, I, I'll tell you this. I think Knoxville has aged great. Knoxville Dude. looks great. Okay. Well, you know, Steve-O looks, looks good, too. Steve-O looks incredible. They all look like yeah. Hollywood actors. Except uh-huh. for Dave England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Looks like a stray dog. He, Yeah, but he still looks like a Hollywood stray dog. He's got like a nice Man. white guy tan. He's missing some I teeth. I love like, Dave England. He yeah. looks he looks rough. But uh Steve O and Johnny look like they're they just walked off a movie set. Like they look Hollywood ready. Well, they're healthy and clean. <sighs> That's touche. You know? Yeah. <laughs> now Steve O's voice, who Yeah, but I honestly feel like um Steve O now is more entertaining and uh relatable than ever. I love Steve O. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's great. I would honestly I'm kind of a a little upset about the trailer because I was expecting more Eric Andre in here. We got a fair amount. We got a little bit. We got a taste. But I would have sure. liked him to uh, be on set. I don't be know, in I'm the a, cast? A bit, I'm a fan. Yeah, kick that Rachel I bitch don't know. out. Put <laughs> I don't know if he'd roll. No, he wouldn't. You know? He's got money and a following. Yeah. Him. Like, why not? He's actually funny, so he doesn't have to like get in a shopping cart and roll down a hill. I mean, you know, that's an option. <laughs> also, <laughs> Pontius is funny. He is funny. I love Pony. I also feel like he was the one that did the most out of the legacy cast here. Well, Steve-O. Steve-O did. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Steve-O had a concussion. Steve-O got fucked up on that uh, 
treadmill the marching band thing yeah the marching band thing didn't i feel like it didn't translate great I, to film. I, I and i i i agree with you i don't love the um how they shot that yeah great stunt though it it's tricky how you would shoot it to be honest with you but it 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 didn't hit like the other ones nah yeah, and I totally blame the angle. But it was clear that that one messed them up more oh, than yeah. all the oh, other ones. The best shot was them uh, post stunt where there's just somebody bleeding. They look like Randy after he now, fell you on the said, curb. You said that Bam was in that sketch? <laughs> I thought he was. Okay. But I, there's no way. After reading the contract thing, and honestly, they all kind of look the same when you put a helmet on them. You can't tell really who's yeah. in that. So I was like, was that fucking Bam? I, you know. Then I got trapped in a urinal for fucking half hours, so <laughs> wasn't in the base state of mind. All right, jackass, two stars. And um, Terrell, after um, when we got home, he was like, "How come there ain't even no black people in these things?" And I'm like, "Well, when uh, we used to party out on Grand Avenue out here in the Bay Area, I uh, ran into somebody at 3 a.m. on the street. Now Grand Avenue is dead; it's not near a freeway or anything. All the bars close at two. I don't know what I was doing out there at three, but I ran into a gentleman who uh, sold me a poster. He didn't have any copies of his movies, but it was called Black Ass. Now, I still have that poster. I, I made sure he signed it for me. But if anybody has a copy of that movie, <laughs> <laughs> which may or may not exist, please um uh, send it to overlookhour at gmail.com. Well, if you type in Black Ass Movie... Yeah, I'm sure don't you're Google gonna, it. you're going to get some different results there. <laughs> you know what? I'll, with a Z, right? Black. Uh, I don't, we can only hope. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Terrell, you know, there is there is a different culture out there doing this thing. Also, Dark Shark, pretty black. Yeah, he was good. <laughs> and also fresh out of prison, I believe, Love when Dark he got Shark. on set. Um, all right, I'll, I'll be quick here. I know we, we waxed poetic about Jackass for a lot longer than I thought we were. Um, Worth it. On Tuesday night, after we were filming Blu-ray Tuesday with Terrell, uh, we made a quick pivot. On the way home from work, I, and mind you, it's been brutal lately. We're doing a lot with this film fest and doing two podcasts a week and working a regular full-time job. Wah, 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 I know. Uh, on the way home, I was like, hey, what's playing at the Alamo? Because our, our favorite Viking, uh, Jake Isgard out there, he he's brought back uh, Terror Tuesday and Weird Wednesday. And Oxon's like, oh, it looks like House of Wax. And I'm like, oh, all right, that's an easy. I'm like, wait a minute. From what year? And like 2005. Like, oh, I think we might need to go see House of Wax. Now, mind you, this was screening at 945. And I was already tired drunk at five o'clock on the freeway on the way home. (laughs) And I'm like, the thing is, I have one memory of watching House of Wax. And it was in the theater. And it was fantastic. I I loved it so much. We got Chad Michael Murray in here, Paris Hilton. We got the lead from uh, Cousin Skeeter. <laughs> I, dude, this movie, it, I, I didn't realize how much of a special place it really held in my heart until the opportunity to see it in 35 millimeter had popped up out of nowhere. Uh, didn't you know it was a thing? Dude, me either. And I was like, fuck. Because I knew um, UK versus the world, the newest RuPaul show uh airs on tuesday and that terrell had already planned like post um filming we'd watch that and i'm like the thing is i think one of the first conversations me and terrell ever had was about house of wax uh so i pitched it to him he instantly fought back but then was like i saw him go on his phone i'm like i bet he's texting his boyfriend right now seeing if we could go to the alamo (laughs) and we did fucking fantastic now 
Theater One. Uh, again, if you're not from here, Theater One is a massive screening room. I think it holds over 300 people. Now, I was expecting to roll in with eight other people there. I would say it was like a third full. It looked pretty good. Probably not 100 people, but maybe uh, 80. And um, went in there, ordered from the menu. Again, they they took my favorite beer off the menu, the one that Clark turned me on to, Old Rasputin. Old Rasputin. Pretty bummed about that. But um, we got an angry pepperoni pizza. Uh, it was actually hot, which I appreciated. With jalapeno? Yeah, and I think paprika and holo- and um, uh, I can't remember what else was we on there. We got paprika on there. Yeah, it was good, dude. Paprika, get your ass over here. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, I'm going to tell you, House of Wax fucking holds up. I um remembered it just being fun, and I remembered Paris Hilton dying in a way that actually felt good. Normally, whenever you have like a pop star or some like celebrity that isn't an actor come into a horror film, they usually treat them with like kid gloves, and they'll die off screen or... They just don't die like Brandy and fucking I still know what you did last summer. And in this one, Paris Hilton fucking dies. Mm-hmm. And I remember rolling into that theater fucking Spoiler. 20 years ago. <laughs> Again, 20 years ago. And uh, part of the marketing for this film was watch Paris die. They just had that on a shirt. I think I remember that. I wish I fucking had one. But I went in there and uh, I was just waiting for her to fucking die. This time, I didn't want her to. I'll tell you, she's fucking good in this movie. The cast just works. The directing is beautiful. There's a theme of duality here. You know, if you're not cringing right now, you haven't listened to the show long enough. Uh, but we're not doing it with mirrors. We're doing it with um, Wax Museum and kind of like a reflection of a moment in time in our life. And there's and also there's a very interesting theme of rural America versus inner city America. And our lead actress is talking about moving to New York and her uh, bumpkin boyfriend. He's just not uh, sure he's down with that. So when they get trapped in a small off the map town in America, we're, we're kind of uh, playing into that. Like rednecks are out there and they're going to kill you. And only smart people live in the city. But I feel like the relationships, and again, our, our main character is a twin with uh, Eminem. Twin. Eminem's the evil twin. And there's a lot of this like duality theme where it's like evil and good, this binary. And uh there's a twin battle in this movie. I the the house of wax is literally made of wax, and we get a beautiful third act that really pushes it. Dude, this film, I fucking loved it. And now, you know, we're in the future. We're not in 2005 anymore. But it turns out in 2009, same director made Orphan, which is getting another comeback. Mm. And then I know Clark's favorite movie from 2016. He also produced The Shallows. Oh, the Shallows. Yeah. He didn't direct it, but Shallows. fucking, uh, you know what? I'm looking at his name now. I'm not going to try it. But uh, Shallows was fucking hey, black. I f- fucking love this movie. And if you're if you're nodding along with me right now and you remember it being great, um, Scream Factory has a beautiful release of it. And. After we watched this, Terrell went and ordered it right away, and it came with a slipcover. That means people haven't been fucking with it. So if you're a fan, um, order it now, which I'm looking at you, Oksana. <laughs> Did we order ours yet? No. Okay. I fully remember. I saw this uh, probably opening <laughs> night in 2005. Ditto. Um, I, had a, I had a great time. Don't think I've revisited since then. Dude, I, I, I 100% up. would. Now, here's my question. I remember this being fairly popular, especially yeah. with Paris Hilton. So why do you think this never really hit the franchise market? Um, I think 
Well, I don't know. I, I can't remember what it made. But I also think as far as like retro screenings, we're only starting to look at films from 2005. So I just feel like it hasn't really hit the zeitgeist and like people aren't like celebrating it. Also, I mean, the original is kind of untouchable. Which is wild because that was the year I graduated high school. Well, do you remember the like central plot of this movie? No. They're all getting together to go to a college football game. Oh, tight. So like the first time they, they get off the freeway and get like lost in Yokelville, they're playing catch. I'm like, dude, Clark would have totally done. Yeah. No, I I remember enjoying this because this came out. This came out, I think, the year after uh, the Jessica Biel Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It would be right around. I remember those. Those were very close. Yeah. Like all those kind of like new starlets and we're revisiting. And this this one was a little bit more fun than a little bit. A lot more gory too. the Texas. There's some gore in the Texas Chainsaw. No, I'm saying like that. Also, isn't that coming back? What's happening? Uh, Netflix has got a new movie. It's a movie or a a series? I don't know. If it's a series, I'm not going to watch it. I was pumped on fucking Child's Play. Never got around to it. Yeah, I mean. I still know what you did. Or I know what you did last summer. That show never got around to it. You watched the little screen. I I did watch season one, but I never got. I never finished two. I can't fuck with TV shows. Give me a movie. You never saw the series remake of Ice Cream Man? Are you making a... Of is, course I am. Okay. <laughs> the Van Halen song? What? Oh, my God. Randy, <laughs> oh, Randy, I'm, proud of, I'm proud of you too. That's Sammy Hagar, isn't it? Is, yeah. yeah. Is it? Randy would know. I it is. Randy. I think so, yeah. Look at, <laughs> I could be wrong. I... Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. So well, you're uh, going to have to revoke my Van Halen card today. Yeah. So, House of Wax... Um, Fucking order it off Scream Factory. Hold on. We have to, if only we had producers who would do their goddamn job. I'm trying to find it as well. I can confirm that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a movie. All right. <laughs> the new Christ. one, I mean. We got some real Wait, journalism. 1978. Yeah. No, it's fucking, uh, it's not Hagar. It's funny because I'm the only one that knew that. Thank I just want to fucking have I you was all. I, I'm. I was almost certain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was not Van Hagar. It was my boy David Lee. Oh, yeah, how y'all like that, huh? Fact check your fucking selves. Also, both of them are batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, girls, this was a good episode, and it was only four hours long. No, oh, we did it, all right. All right. Any other announcements, queries, questions, concerns, comments? Now, we did the Uff thing. Um, we should have more of that coming out soon. Uh, Robbie Smith, if you were following along with his crowdfunding, I believe he raised over $10,000. So congratulations. He had a he had a pretty fucking aggressive goal. How many, how many Ethereum is that? Right now, maybe two and a half. Two and a half. No, actually, it's, it's who cares? What's the, what's <laughs> the coin there? Right now, dude? It'll change oh. by the time this airs. Yeah, there's no point. I know. The ebb and the flow of life. All right. Uh, again, stay tuned for Thursday's episode. We'll bring that to you, whether or not we have a guest, <laughs> uh, as as we are set to uh, complete that tomorrow. So, stay tuned. We'll see you on Thursday. And as always, Randy, take her home. I wasn't able to fit this in before we change subjects, but House of Wax. I'd rather watch House of Sax with Kenny G. <laughs> I don't, don't laugh it. at that. I'm gonna cut your mic. I don't hate it. <laughs> Our jackass. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.